You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. When I was a kid, one of my favorite weeks of the year was summer camp. Started with primary camp. Primary camp was three days long. Then it went to junior camp. Junior camp was five days long. And there was one year when I had primary camp, but primary camp led into music camp. And primary camp, I want to say, was for first through fourth graders. And for a first through fourth grader to be away from mommy and daddy from Monday through Friday was a big deal. Primary camp was supposed to be done Wednesday. We were supposed to head back home, but I stayed through. And then music camp started Thursday and Friday. So I overnight in a cabin by myself waiting for everybody else to come. And to add on top of that, the forgot that I was staying, so they took my luggage home <laughs> with them. And I did not get my luggage back. I was supposed to get it back. I'll bring it to you when we come from music camp. That didn't happen. So I stayed in the same clothes for all of Thursday and all, all of Wednesday, all of Thursday, all of Friday. So let's go ahead and talk about that, because some of you are already disgusted. <laughs> let's talk about what summer camp is. Does this keep going in and out? Yes, yes. Guys, I don't know what it is. I'm about to set fire to all of it, OK? <laughs> I'm loud enough. Just focus in. Summer camp. Let's talk about what summer camp was. A week of summer heat. We're talking about July, August. Yes, up in Illinois, but, and up in Iowa, but it's, it gets hot. It gets over 100. Humidity isn't as bad up there as it is down here. I mean, the humidity down here, you clap your hands over your head and it starts to rain. It's not like that up there. We, are, we do have the lake effect with you know, Lake Michigan and everything. But before you get to the week of summer heat, let's talk about four hours Riding in an unair conditioned bus filled with kids, four hours there, and then we start talking about the outdoor activities. Right, Brother Ben? Let's talk about capture the flag in the forest. Any of you ever had poison ivy? It's painful. Trust me. <laughs> capture the flag in the woods. American Eagle in the field. I don't know why they called it American. Here's what it was. You split up into your churches, and you stood in a corner of a field, and that corner was your base. They blew a whistle. You ran into the center. You grabbed whoever you could grab and drug them back to your base. <laughs> it was mayhem. It was violent. It was basically 
gladiatorial, gladiatorial games with children. Kids being grabbed, kids screaming for mommy. Not me, of course. Kids screaming for mommy, being drugged by their, by their head, being drugged by their feet back to... And then you sat there. You sat in the enemy base, ashamed of your weakness. <laughs> Boxing. We would box during that time. Which one, one of these days we're going to dismiss here, we're going to go out there, and we're going to let these boys box. We, we played a game, it was called Egg in a Tube, okay? And it was, a, it was probably like a quarter-inch tube, about, about this long, and they put a funnel on one end, and they poured uh, like the egg in a box, you know, so it wasn't actual egg because of salmonella or whatever, and they would pour it into the tube so that there was a, a good amount just kind of sitting in the tube, and they would hold it up like this. And they would call one kid to hold one end and call another kid to hold the other end. Three, two, one, put your mouth on it, blow. <laughs> so one time they call me up. Aaron, come here. I was about this size. I was 26 at the time. And they call up the other kid. Brother Jesse, stand up. <laughs> and he had a beard about that size also. He was like 13 at the time. Major pituitary problems. Me against him. Thank you. And I'm holding the tube. And this other kid is holding his tube. And he's looking at me just, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, goodness. And they'd all scream, all right, let's count down, three. <laughs> and I hear him, <laughs> I'm holding it, I'm holding it, two. <laughs> and then I got an idea. One. <laughs> And that kid, <gasps> I lost the points. I kept my dignity. A week of this, a week of all of these, a week of sitting in open air tabernacle for preaching in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, when even at night, it's 100 plus degrees. And then you go and you get in a sleeping bag in an unair conditioned cabin with about 30 other boys who are doing the exact same thing. A week of sweat. Can we put it that way? I'm ashamed to tell you this today. I thought nothing of it back then. I never once took a shower at camp. <laughs> Many of us didn't. So let's consider summer camp again with this newfound information. A week of summer heat. Four hours there in an unconditioned bus. Outdoor activities. Capture the flag in the forest with poison ivy. Being drugged through the dirt and the mud. 
from American Eagle, egg in a tube, boxing, being wrapped in a sleeping bag in an unconditioned cabin. Imagine putting a moldy sponge in a Ziploc bag and then hiding it under a chicken coop for a week. We walked around that entire week dirty. When at any time, we could have been cleansed by taking a shower. I can tell you what the field looks like in great detail. I can tell you what the cabins look like in great detail. I can tell you what the mess hall looks like in great detail. I can tell you all of that. I could not tell you what the showers look like. I never went in. That's disgusting. That's repulsive. That's repugnant. That is a lot of other re-words. That is unnecessary. It's offensive. And yet it is nothing compared to how some of you walked in here this morning. You just got mad at me. Don't get, don't get mad at me. Who, who, who is... Who is the best doctor? The one who tells you where you're sick or the one who ignores it? Who's the best friend? The one who says, girl, your outfit is amazing. Or the one who says, what's going on? <laughs> Who's the best friend? The one who tells you you have a piece of cilantro stuck in your teeth or the one who doesn't? Don't get mad at me. I'm not saying you didn't take a shower this morning. I didn't say you didn't use soap or shampoo or conditioner or deodorant or cologne, perfume. I didn't say you didn't wear clean clothes this morning. On the outside, you smell quite nice. You look quite nice. You're quite clean. On the inside, some of you walked in here this morning dirty. Not from sweat and grime or dirt and dust or anything that can be washed away by simple soap and water. You're dirty from sins that you have committed. I wonder how many of you are here and you know for sure for a Bible reason that Jesus is your Savior. You are going to heaven when you die for a Bible reason. You know it. Would you raise your hand? Do not raise your hand if you can't, but raise your hand if you can. You know it. You may put your hands down. I saw some who could not raise your hand. God bless you for being honest. Stick with me, please. Stick with me. Might be intimidating to see all these hands up. Many of those hands that just went up very recently could not raise their hand. And they listened to a message like this. So listen. Regardless of whether you raised your hand or not, regardless of whether Jesus is your Savior, some of you walked into church service this morning Dirty because you are polluted by your sin. Some of you, it was something that you did or you said or you thought on your way to church that polluted you. Some of you, it's a sin from yesterday that polluted you. Some of you, it's even worse. You're concealing the filth of a week of sin. Some of you, even a month, months of sin, you are concealing within your heart and within your soul. Others of you, 
if you could not raise your hand and if you if you were honest that I, I can't raise my hand, I don't know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't know that I'm saved. I've, I've been there. And I had to be honest with myself about that also. If you could not raise your hand, I do not know Jesus as my Savior. Listen to me. You are right now carrying the weight and the filth of every single sin that you have ever committed on your soul. Every single one is written on your account. And may I remind you that if even one sin is written on your account, when you stand before God, you will go to hell. But you have an entire lifetime worth. Do you enjoy being dirty? Do you enjoy feeling dirty? Have you ever gone somewhere or heard something or seen something and you felt dirty? I feel like I need to take a shower after I saw that or after I went there. Nobody likes feeling that way. You desire clean water. You desire clean plates. You desire clean air. You desire clean restaurants. You desire clean stores. Why would you settle for a dirty soul? If you could be clean today, if you could walk out of here cleansed, if you could have your heart scrubbed before you left here this afternoon, would you desire that? You know how it feels to your body after, you've had a hot, after you have a hot shower after a long day of work? How many of you take cold showers? You take cold showers? No? Nobody. One. One person. You're weird. <laughs> you know how it feels for your body when you have a hot shower after a long day of work? What would it feel to your soul to have that cleansing? There was a psychiatrist, a well-known psychiatrist in the 1900s. He actually just passed away in 1990. And his hospitals that he ran had a quicker turnaround rate, had a quicker from the date that somebody was admitted to the date that they were released and they actually functioned in society. He had a quicker rate of turnaround than any other psychiatrist in any other group of hospitals at that time. And they asked him what he was doing. And he said this, I have but one job when a patient comes into my psychiatric hospitals. My job is to convince them that their sins can be forgiven. He said, right now in my hospitals, I have tens of thousands of patients. If I could convince them tonight that their sins were forgiven, 85% of them would walk out tomorrow. A man once told me, he came up to me after a service I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. It, it must have been two years ago. He came up to me after a service broke and he said, I listened to your message and I appreciate it. It makes sense. But I've done so much wrong. I've committed every sin that I can think to commit. What he was basically saying is, I live, I've lived a dirty life. 
And right out there in that foyer, he looked at me with great sincerity and asked, can God forgive me? What was my answer? Yes. Did I answer timidly? Or did I answer boldly? It didn't help him one bit. He didn't smile. He didn't stop crying. He didn't look at me. So I talked to him further. It doesn't matter what you've done. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter what you've said. It doesn't matter how much weight you are carrying. God can forgive you. No change. I talked and I talked and I talked and I pleaded and I begged and I asked, what, what, I, I don't know what else there is to say. You, and at one point I said, you, you have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You ask me, can God forgive you? I'm telling, him, I'm, I'm telling you, yes, he can. And then he looked at me and he asked this, will he? That's a different question. I've met plenty of people who could do something for me, but they wouldn't. Can God forgive you? Can God cleanse you from the filth of sin? Yes. Will God forgive you? Will God cleanse you? I'm going to answer that question for you this morning. 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter 1, it's toward the very end of your Bible. I want to start in verse 7. The Bible says this, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, time out. How many of you do a great job of walking in the light as he is in the light? How would you rate your light walking ability? On a scale of 1 to 10, A to an F, where are you at? Sounds so simple. Walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanseth us from all sin. Yeah, but how often do we walk in the light? So then we have to keep reading. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I'm going to answer this question for you this morning. Will God forgive me? 
Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching of your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's get moving. For those of you who couldn't raise your hand, focus in now. For those of you who could raise your hand, guess what? Focus in. Yeah. Will God forgive me? Will God cleanse me? Must I continue to walk around in the filth of my soul? Am I doomed to carry the pollution of my sin? Will they forever haunt me like a ghost from my past? In order to answer that question, God asks you three questions of his own in this passage. You ask, will God forgive me? God asks, will you admit that you're a sinner? Will God forgive me? Hang on. Will you admit that you are a sinner? Nearly every week of my life since I was in seventh grade, I've taken at least an hour per week to talk to individuals about their soul. Doing some quick math, which... I love to do. I can confidently say I have spent between 1,500 to 2,000 hours of my life speaking to people about their soul. In all of those hours, I have met but a handful of people who have genuinely believed that they had no sin. And I'm sure there are preachers out there who could explain how somebody could come to the genuine conclusion that they have no sin. I hate to let you down. I've got no explanation for it. I cannot, I, I have no understanding, I see no logic in it, I behold no argument from anybody who looks at me and says, I am not a sinner. There is only one thing that I can say to somebody who will look at me and say, I have no sin. Here's what I say back, you're a liar. You are a liar. When somebody, however, is truly convinced that they have no sin. That's far worse than them lying to me. You're lying to yourself. They are lying to themselves and they have completely lost touch with reality. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Will God forgive me? How can he? How can he unless you first realize that you're in need of forgiveness? If you say you have no sin, then even if forgiveness is offered to you freely, will you accept it if you don't believe you need it? Let's put it on a lower level. If a man is given directions freely, will he accept it if he doesn't believe he's lost? If a person is offered medication freely, will they accept and take that medication if they don't believe that they're sick? The first step toward anybody finding cleansing is realizing that you're a filthy person. The first step toward me finding cleansing is realizing I am a filthy person. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. Now we can think about this verse in another way before we move on. It is true. I have only met a handful of people who when I said, do you understand that you're a sinner? And they think and they go through it and they genuinely come to the conclusion, no. You've never lied? No. You've never stolen? No. You've never gossiped? No. You've never looked on somebody with lust? No. You've never coveted? No. Have you ever seen a gun? Have you ever seen a truck before and you've never coveted? 
I've met a handful of people who are bold enough to say, I have no sin. I have met thousands more people, including myself, who are bitter, but they say, no, I'm not. Hey, sir, it's written all over your face. You're bitter. No, I'm not. Hey, ma'am, everybody can tell you have anger toward that person. No, I don't. Hey, you, everyone knows it. You're going around spreading it. You keep gossiping. No, I don't. Who do you think you're fooling? Who do you think you're deceiving? You're only deceiving yourself, and you will never find forgiveness. How can God forgive what you deny? Will God forgive me? Will you admit that you are a sinner? Will you admit that by nature, if you just let things go, you are in active opposition against a holy God? Will you admit that? If you wish to be cleansed from all your unrighteousness, you must say, I am a sinner. I am wicked. I am defiled. I am filthy. I am unclean. That's the first step toward leaving here cleansed. There's another step to take, though. And it's where many of us fail. You ask, will God forgive me? He asks, will you accept my definition of sin? When God calls sin, sin, let me put it this way. When what God calls sin and what you call sin don't match, whose word do you take? When God says, and be careful to answer real quick because I'm about to call you out. <laughs> when God says, that is sin, and you say, no, it's not, who's right and who's wrong? We may never be so bold as to say, I have no sin. Many of us, in fact, all of us at one point or another, have been much more bold in looking back at God and saying, I don't agree that what you call sin is sin. To say I have no sin is to deny my inward nature. I can't, I can't do that. That's like a pig trying to, act, trying to convince somebody that it's a, it's a sheep. Put that pig next to a pit of mud, its nature is going to come out. To say I have no sin is to deny my inward nature. I have no sin. I'm not a sinner. <laughs> okay. To say I have not sinned is to deny my outward practice. I have not sinned in that way. So think about it. how foolish would it be? How foolish would it be for God to look at me and say, Johnny Che, you are a sinner. And for me to look back and say, no, I'm not. I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving nobody else. I'm just deceiving myself. But what if God were to come back to me and say, Johnny Che, the action that you just committed, the thought that you just let go through your mind, the words that you just spoke is sin. How wicked would it be for me to look back and say, I disagree. Now I'm making him a liar. 
When I say I have no sin, I'm the liar. When I look at him and say I have not sinned, I am making him a liar. Many people would never be so foolish as to say I have no sin. Many people are much more bold when they look back at God and they say, I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe that what you call sin is actually sin. You can say whatever you want, but I have not sinned. Sin is not defined by you. Sin is defined by God. Do you want to be clean? Do you want to be clean? Then you need to stop dressing up your sin in a new name and start calling it what God calls it. You, you seem angry. Yeah. We had somebody recently join our church. And I knew right away that their beliefs were not Bible beliefs. But that's what the church is for. To give time for people to learn and to grow. I'm glad the church gave me time to learn and to grow. She was from the LGBT community. And something was said from the pulpit that she did not agree with. So afterwards, she came up to me and she said, I will no longer be coming to your church. And I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. You are welcome here. I want you to come here. And she said, what you need to understand, she pointed in my face. She said, what you need to understand is that society is changing. And I said, ma'am, what you need to understand is that God does not. And God still calls homosexuality sin. Even though man calls it love. And God still calls adultery sin. Even when man calls it harmless flirting. Jesus said, if you even look at a woman and think about it in your mind, you've committed it. I'm just watching the Cowboys cheerleaders. Adultery. God still calls rebellion sin. Even though man says, oh, they're just a strong-willed person. You know what God calls them? A witch. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Oh, they're just a strong-willed teenager. No, they're a rebel. And they're sinning against God. God still calls withholding, giving, sin, robbery, even though you call it your savings plan. God still calls gossip, sin, even though you call it venting or sharing a prayer request. How are your toes? God still calls nakedness, sin, even though you call it art or theater or a museum. God still calls abortion sin, murder, even though man calls it women's choice. God still calls missing church sin. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, even though you call it your day off. God still calls covetousness Sin, even though you call it browsing. God still calls pride sin, even though you call it confidence. God, do you have your phone? 
I don't have my phone because I'm a good Christian, but go ahead and give it to me. <laughs> God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call it hobbies. God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call it your pickup truck. God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call it your children. Biggest idol in America is our children. God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call them athletes. God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call it a cell phone. God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call it social media. God still calls idolatry sin, even though you call it your unwinding time with your TV. Do you realize the first commandment that God gave to man was, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And any time something takes the place of God in the throne of our heart, that is an idol we are sinning. And we wake up every morning before we read our Bible, before we pray, before we even say hi to our spouse. I have not sinned. Or we sit at home on Sunday. Look at how many of you just turned to the TV. <laughs> Neglecting your family, not reading your Bible, not praying, not focusing on what you need to focus on, hours, 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 hours. Do you ever once look at God and say, I know I'm doing wrong? Or are you saying, I have not sinned? You're making him a liar. How can God forgive what you don't believe needs forgiveness? How can God clean what you don't believe is dirty? And if you don't believe that some of the stuff that you're watching is dirty, watch it with Christ. If you wish to be cleansed from all your unrighteousness, then when God says, that is sin, you say, yes, it is. If you wish to be clean, you must let God point out anything in your life that is unholy to him. Anything in your life. And then stop arguing with him about it. Some of you, God has been talking to you about the TV shows that you watch for a very long time. And you're arguing with him about it. Oh, I can handle it. I see your spirit. I see your eyes. You can't handle it. He's been talking to you about your music, and you're not listening. He's been talking to you about your drinking. You're not listening. He's been talking to you about your attitude. I'm getting so tired of Christians walking around like God is dead. He's been talking to you about the books that you're reading. He's been talking to you about your schedule. He's been talking to you about your social media. He's been talking to you about your sports. He's been talking to you about your marijuana. He's been talking to you about your cigarettes. He's been talking to you about your beer. He's been talking to you about your video games. He's been talking to you about your vocabulary. He's been talking to you about your temper. And instead of admitting, yes, I have sinned, you're arguing with him about it. You keep dressing it up in a tuxedo and calling it by a new name. 
You're making God a liar and his word is not in you. If his word was in you, you would accept his definition of sin and not make a definition based on your own words. You ask, will God forgive me? <laughs> will you admit that you're a sinner? And will you accept my definition of sin? And will you confess to me? Will you confess to me? Now notice how these steps progress. When you say, I have sin, you are telling God, I am a sinner by internal nature. When you say, I have sinned, you are telling God, I am a sinner by external practice. When you say, I confess, you are telling God, I have sinned by personal choice. Nobody else made me do it. Nobody forced me to do it. It was my choice. It was my choice alone. And here is exactly what I did. You know what confession is? Confession is telling God everything as if he knew nothing. That's why when he came into the garden, he asked, what hast thou done? Cain and Abel, when he talked to Cain, what is this that thou hast done? Tell me everything as if I knew nothing. You ask, will God forgive me? It's a good question. It's a good question. But God turns it right back on you. What is the most important word in verse 9? I want you to read through it, and if you think you have the answer, go ahead and, and raise your hand. What is the most important word in verse 9? Miss Amanda? You nailed it. Did you hear? What is it? If. That is the most important word in the verse. And that, I'm surprised you got that right away. That, that word, if, is not based upon God. It's based upon you. The, the, look at the verse. The verse does not say, if God feels like it, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible does not say, if God is in a good mood, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say if God isn't busy, he's faithful and just. It doesn't say if God deems you worthy, he's faithful and just. If you will confess, then he will forgive. Period. Amen. Cleansing ends with Jesus. It starts with you. Do we all agree there is no cleansing without the blood of Jesus Christ? Yeah. We all agree. Here's what else you need to agree with. There is no cleansing without confession of the sinner. And that's where it begins. You ask, will God forgive me? God asks, will you confess? If your answer is yes, his answer is yes. Or will you deny that you are a sinner? Do you say, pastor, others may be able to, uh, others may be able to say they're a sinner. I, I, I think I'm good. Or do you say, pastor, come on. Let's not fool ourselves here. Others may be able to say that they have no sin. If I tried to say that, the words would choke me on the way out. They are so untrue. I know that I am a sinner. I think we're all on the same page here. How many of you say, I know I'm a sinner? I, I know it. I don't need convincing. Okay. Or will you reject God's definition of sin? Yeah, I'm a sinner, but not in that way. Or do you see the wickedness involved in pointing your finger at God and saying, I do not believe what you call good is good, and I do not believe what you call evil is evil? Are you willing today 
to let God reveal anything in your life that is unchristlike, that is an attack against his holiness, and say, God, I see it, and I believe that it is sin, then there's only one thing left that is standing in between you and cleansing today. Tell God everything. Tell him everything. I'm afraid of what he'll do if I tell him everything. All right. First of all, he already knows. He already knows. Number two, God has never rejected somebody for their confessed badness. He has resisted millions for their supposed goodness. If you deal truthfully with God, he will deal truthfully with you. Can we put it this way? You want to be clean? Come clean. If you walked in here dirty this morning, and worse off, if you walk out of here dirty this morning, it is not because there isn't a place to be cleansed. It's because you refuse to take a shower. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. If you walked in here this morning dirty, worse off, if you walk out of here this morning dirty, it will not be because God won't forgive. It will be because you won't confess. It will be because you won't say, Lord, I lost my temper. And it's wrong. And I'm sorry. It will be because you don't say, Lord, I thought something horrible just now, last week, a month ago. I've been thinking it for a long time, and it's wrong. Lord, I gossiped about that person. Lord, I cursed and I swore and I used your name in vain. Lord, I have deep bitterness within me. I've been robbing you in tithes and offerings. How about this one? Lord, I come to church and I feel nothing. When's the last time you told him that? Lord, I read my Bible and my heart is like a rock. I get nothing out of it. Lord, I complain about everything. Everything is negative. Everything has something wrong. Everything can be better. I'm constantly complaining. Lord, I looked upon wickedness the other day. Or even as much as, Lord, I've lived a life of sin. I have never once trusted in you to be my savior. I have tried to do it all on my own, and it's pride, and I know it. Please forgive me and take me to heaven when I die. Look and see if it's still there. Look and see if it's still there. Verse 9. Is verse 9 still there? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's still there. You can close your Bible and open it back up. It's still there. Okay, let's think practically here. Perhaps you say, it has been so long since I've confessed, I could not remember half of the things that I have done against God. There's a man in the Bible who was your exact same position. He was a publican. Lived a life of robbery, lived a life of deceit, lived a life of debauchery, lived a life, lived a worse life than you can imagine. But the day came, he stood afar off, he put his head down, he smote upon his chest and said these simple words, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Amen. And God heard it and Jesus said, that man walked out of that place clean. Amen. 
don't have to remember any, everything. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner, and mean it. And if you don't remember, take a guess. You'll probably guess right. Perhaps you say, Pastor, that sounds too easy. Wasn't easy at all. If is the most important word. There are two perplexing words in verse 9. Anyone want to give a guess what those are? Two perplexing words in verse 9. One more so than, than another. Brother Matt? No? You're, you're, you're not wrong. I'm not like, wrong! It's a guess, yes. Just and faithful. Okay, hold up. Why is God in the Bible able to say he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins? We do not understand such love as to be able to come up to God and say, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong, I did it again, 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 I need another shower, I need another cleansing. And he is always faithful to forgive. Always. When somebody keeps doing something against us over and over and over, you know what human nature is? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, what am I doing? And we come to God over and over and over and over and over again, and he is always faithful to forgive. That's perplexing, but I'm so glad it's true. I do not understand how white milk can come from a black and white cow, and if you put it through some type of process, you could churn it really hard and it becomes yellow butter. I don't understand that. I do not understand how God can be faithful to forgive sinners, but I'm so glad he is. But just? Let's talk about that. How can a holy God be just in forgiving the guilty? Let's just make it simple. A judge cannot punish the same crime twice. If a judge punishes the same crime twice, that's unjust. And about 2,000 years ago, Jesus took the punishment for the sins of the world. And not just the sins of the world, but yours and mine. And he took that punishment by shedding his blood on the cross. Because without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But with shedding of blood, there is forgiveness. And when I was 13 years old, I trusted that Jesus took my punishment and I asked him to be my savior. And now when I confess my sins, if I can put it this way without being irreverent, God is reminded that my sins have already been judged. And therefore, he would be unjust to judge me again. He is just by letting the guilty walk away because one day the innocent died for the guilty. Amen. He's faithful and just to forgive us. In fact, you will never leave here innocent. You will never leave here forgiven unless you come to him guilty. You will never leave here different unless you come to him just as you are. 
The song says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Somebody else wrote this, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb, and I'm welcomed with open arms, praise God, just as I am. A sinner by nature, a sinner by practice, a sinner by choice. But if you just deal truthfully with God, He'll deal truthfully with you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.